If you think of it this week, you might do a Google search on the hymn for all the saints. It's got a whole bunch more verses than you heard this morning. My favorite is somewhere in the middle. It goes, and when the strife is fierce, the warfare long steals on the ear the distant triumph song. And hearts are young again and all are strong. Alleluia, alleluia. And it reminds us that though we're in the battle now, the victory's already been won. And you can hear the victory song just echoing back through the ages to us today because we know the end of this story, don't we? We know the end of this story is every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of all to the glory of God. That's where we're headed. I've been um, struggling with the events of the past couple weeks, as you know. I think the events in Florida and Pittsburgh are a test of faith for us. When we walk into times like this that seem so chaotic and out of control, we might think that, well, for our society, there's nothing to be done. We're, we're too far gone. I attended the synagogue service Friday night here in Manchester that was a solidarity service with the synagogue in Pittsburgh. And the rabbi said something that was absolutely true. He said, You can't fight hatred with more hate. You conquer hatred with love. That's it. That's it. But it takes great faith to love when circumstances are so dire. And so I thought that perhaps we needed to consider the nature of faith this morning, and I would like to read for you the entire 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews today. It's a long one. Hebrews 11, starting at the very beginning. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for, By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, 
Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith he made his home in the promised land, like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to a city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so, in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshiped as he leaned on the, two of, on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea on dry land, but when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. 
By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith. Yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. This is the word of the Lord. What the ancients were commended for, what does the author say? Enoch pleased God. Noah condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness by acting on what God told him to do, build an ark. Abraham believed God, went to a land he didn't know. Joseph, by faith, told his family to take his bones with them 400 years in the future when Israel left Egypt. By faith, Moses' parents hid him, and Moses chose to be identified with the people of God. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell. These are the saints who conquered kingdoms, administered justice, whose weakness was turned to strength. Women received back their dead, it says. Others were tortured. Some died and didn't experience escape in their lifetime. And the author tells us, regardless of their circumstances, they were commended for their faith, that their faith points forward and believes and is stable in the worst of the present circumstances because they are looking forward to a different country, a heavenly country because they can see with the eyes of faith what will be beyond what is present today faith gives substance to hope faith brings our hopes alive and we begin to live as if our hopes will be realized because we trust the promises of God so we believe in what we can't see the author's pretty clear. If you can already see it, it doesn't take any faith to believe it, right? I mean, we know some things because we've seen some things. Isn't that what farmer's insurance tells us? 
We know some things, we've seen some things. But this story, this message is all about the fact that we know some things that we have not yet seen. And we are so confident in what we've not yet seen that we act today as if we had seen them, if they were already present. It takes great faith to live as a Christian in this world. In fact, you can't live as a Christian at all without faith, right? Romans 1.17 reminds us that the righteous live by faith. And it takes a level of faith to believe that Jesus was who he said he is and trust his offer of salvation. We have to, in order to be Christian in this world, believe that our sins really can be forgiven. Believe that we can be given a second chance. Believe that we can be changed, that we can become different people to believe others can be changed and can become different people. To believe that, that we can overcome our natural selfishness and really act in ways that are in the best interests of others. We have to believe that a leopard can change his spots by the power of the Holy Spirit. And believing those things, that's the essence of what it means to be Christian. But if we're going to live by faith in this world, in the way those saints did, we're gonna to have to believe one more thing. And, and this may be the hardest thing of all to believe. We're gonna to have to believe that by the power of God, we can make a difference in this world. You might think to yourself, now pastor, don't get all grandiose on us. Do you really believe that each one of us can make a difference? Absolutely. All the people we just heard about were just common individuals. Some of them had unusual circumstances to which they were given, but they weren't exceptional in themselves. They moved and acted and reacted by the power of God in their lives. And if the only thing required to make a difference in the world is having exceptional circumstances, well, we have those. We have exceptional circumstances today. Society is so lost and dark, you can't hardly go anywhere without bumping into someone who desperately needs the light of the gospel or the warmth of the Holy Spirit or the compassion that you have to offer them. I was talking this week to my brother who lives in Pittsburgh about the chaos in Pittsburgh in the last two weeks. And as we were solving the problems of the world together, it occurred to me once again that we didn't get into the mess we were in overnight. Our ship of state has been off course for decades now. And it's gonna take decades for this ship to correct course and right itself. And so you might ask, how does it happen? How do you, how do you incrementally get this ship back on course? And, and I think this is it. I think it's the choices that one person at a time makes to believe that they can make a difference by the power of the Holy Spirit and to do what the Spirit calls them to do. We will have to choose, each of us individually, to allow the Spirit to make a difference in the lives that we touch. You have to believe you have to have faith that God wants to use you to transform the world. 
and that he will do it through you, person to person, one person at a time. And I'm wondering, do you have that much faith? I noticed in the um, news this week that Pope Francis has moved Pope John Paul I one step closer to canonization. Pope John Paul I's new title is the Venerable John Paul I. There are just a few more things that need to be verified until he can actually become a saint in the Catholic Church. That's not how we reach sainthood in my book. To be candid, I have my own list of saints. This list doesn't require a group of Christians to petition Rome to get the process started. This list doesn't require martyrdom or the attribution of or the investigation of miracles. This list doesn't require a papal proclamation. All this list requires is enough faith to believe that you and I can change the world by the power of the Holy Spirit and start living now, today, as if all of our hopes are going to be realized. When we believe God enough to act on behalf of others, we join the ranks of every saint who has ever been canonized. When we believe God is actually working to recreate the world all around us, we join him in his work. That's what he saves us to, right? We've heard people talk about what he saved us from, and that's a wonderful thing. But we're not only saved from, we're saved to something. We're saved to the family of God. We're saved to the mission of Christ. We're saved to the restoration of all that's been lost and broken. That's what we're saved to. When we believe God enough to allow him to shape our actions, our interactions with others, to to change our character, we join him in his work. That's what he calls us to. And it takes faith. You might think that faith equals the exercise of your will. That's not a true equation. Because faith is also the gift of God. And we ask, we pray, that the Lord will increase our faith and enable us to honor him by living in ways now that will please him. And so this morning I want to know, do you have enough faith for that? Have you asked the Father for the faith necessary to live in ways now that demonstrate that you see the world God wants to create rather than the one we live in. Because the one we live in is rather bleak and hopeless. But the power and promise of God is stable. It's secure. His power is bigger and greater than what we see. And we have the privilege, because we know the God we serve, 
of trusting his promise and looking beyond to a heavenly country and to begin to act and pray that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven through us. We bring the promise of God by the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you have enough faith to believe that? That that is your destiny in Christ? To embrace the pain that is around us? To reach out in forgiveness? To be the love that conquers hatred? Will you be that in our community? If you will, then, well, you're the saints. You say, Pastor, are you calling us to an extraordinary definition of Christianity? No, that's the baseline. That's the baseline. That's what he expects of all of his kids. This isn't like if you could ratchet it up a little bit and perform a little better. No, this is what yielding our lives to the Holy Spirit once we've asked him to enter our lives look like. Anything else is living beneath our privileges as children of God. This is the baseline. I want to make a difference in this world by the power of the Holy Spirit. I hope you do too. Amen, let's pray. Heavenly Father, enable us by your Spirit to do your work. Amen. May you live as light in this dark world. May the love of Christ shine through you in the darkness to the glory of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace.